All right, so tell me if this sounds like an overnight or the profile of someone who's an overnight success story. At 26 years old, moved to a foreign country to work a job you've never done for the very first time. You're going to live in a different country, work a brand new career. You're going to fall in love, get married, get pregnant, give birth to a baby girl, get divorced, move to another country to take another job that you've never done, all while being broke, and all of this happening in the matter of just a couple of years. Does, that, does, does any of that strike you as overnight success? Is that, is that what that sounds like? So this is someone who spent several years living in near poverty while writing a book that once finished will be turned down by 12 publishers over the course of a year and a half. And finally, when one small publisher picked up the book, they said, okay, we'll print 500 copies. And after these years of long nights and early mornings and changing diapers and feeding and writing in any spare moment, the author's advance on this book, the payday, was $1,800. So was it worth it? Is that st- are we at overnight success yet? But beyond that, the publisher didn't want to use the author's name. They wanted her to use a pen name because they suspected boys wouldn't want to read a book written by a woman. And so they wanted her to use a couple of initials, but she didn't have a middle name. So she borrowed a K from her grandmother, Kathleen, and that's when Joanne Rowling became J.K. Rowling, as we know her. And so what's remarkable is how much of her story is really enduring and persevering through these difficult situations and seasons en route to becoming a quote-unquote overnight success. In fact, much of Harry Potter, that storyline, is a product of the difficulties and setbacks that she faced along the way. The idea of Harry Potter came to her while she was stuck on a delayed train. Most of us would have just gotten upset. We would have demanded action. We would have texted people and been like, I can't believe it. You know, she's like, here's a billion-dollar idea. This wizard gets stuck on a trail, like, you know? And so that was the catalyst for her thinking through that. In fact, much of the story, like I said, is from her own struggles. Um, the, the Dementors, and I'm, if you haven't seen this or read the book, you're 25 years behind, I can't help you. But um, the Dementors in the story come out of a season of darkness and depression in her own life following the death of her mom at just age 45 from MS. And Joe Rowling was only 25 at the time. The fact that Harry's parents die at the beginning of the story is, again, it's from her own life, and she thinks, you know what, this, this hero is gonna have to overcome this kind of setback, this opposition. And yet for Rowling, she, she viewed setbacks as setups for, for potential good. She viewed in every level of opposition, she saw opportunity in that. And so she talks about this failure and disappointment um, in a commencement address at Harvard University. And my favorite snippet is this. She says, it is impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you failed by default. And that would be a great TED Talk, right? That, I mean, you could unpack that for a long time. Unless you live so cautiously, so status quo, so mundane, that you might as well not lived at all, and then you've failed by default. So she's not talking here about like a little mistake along the way. She's talking about you've aimed for something big, like it's a venture, it's a dream, it's something that you're working towards, a goal. And this willingness, this willingness to risk and to struggle and to press on is why we know her name in the first place. There's no reason at all we should know the name J.K. Rowling. 
but she endured and she persevered. And that's why we know her name. Now, you, you can think of other celebrities and famous people who have similar stories where there shouldn't, we shouldn't really know their names. Michael Jordan, Maya Angelou, there are tons of others. And you can go and read those stories and see everything that they overcame. But have you ever pondered just how many names and stories we don't know because somebody threw in the towel too soon? Because the opposition was too great. The difficulties were too many. The setbacks just felt too permanent. And so they said, nah, forget it. I'm not gonna do it. It's not worth it. Maybe to, to bring this closer to home, how many spouses have given up pursuing intimacy and settle for becoming roommates? How many parents have lost the passion for parenting and just are tired and say, all right, I'm just, whatever, I'm done. Student athletes who call it quits on a particular team because they're not getting enough playing time and rather than putting in the work to get the playing time, they enter the magical transfer portal that's ruining college football. Employees who jump from job to job to job because the grass is always greener and in doing so, you lose earning potential and your career gets off to a slow start. That was pretty much my entire 20s, so inside into me. You've worked to get out of debt for so long that you assume it's just a way of life, so why not just give in and let it ride? What if you can, you know, what if one credit card, why not three? Or in January 2022, you said, this is the year. I am, these 15 pounds, gone. And it's January 23, and you're like, 20 pounds, baby. Like, it's, it's gonna go this time, and it's, or it's 25 or 30, it multiplies, you don't even know how it happens. But your experience in mind tells us that everyone experiences failure and setback and opposition and disappointment, but not everybody becomes a J.K. Rowling. And I'm not talking just about money but fulfillment in achieving a goal and seeing something through. So what is it that leads some people to face these challenges head on and to grow and mature and to learn from them while others take those setbacks and it just stifles them? They become stagnant because of whatever situation they're in and they refuse to move forward. I think the answer lies between our ears and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, and so I wanna set this up before we get into Romans chapter 12. Uh, in 2006, Carol Dweck published a book called Mindset. And this was following two decades of studies and peer-reviewed articles and all this. And if you've, if you've read it, great. If you haven't, it's worth it. Um, and so she studied this broader you know, uh, realm that we call neuroplasticity, which some of you have heard. Some of you are like, it's January 1, man. Give me a break. But it's, it's worth it. <clears throat> the brain's ability to reorganize itself, forming new neural connections throughout life. In other words, your brain can flex and grow. It is a muscle that can expand and you can rewire and fire neurons together that wire together and create new maps and pathways. And so you can change for better or worse. This is what habits are. I mean, this is true from biting your fingernails to how often you pick up your cell phone to whether you choose celery over candy canes, right? And that's not to shame you over what you did the last month. But this is just the reality of, of where we live. And so Dweck, though, she focused on fixed mindset and growth mindset. So fixed mindset says intelligence, abilities, talents are inherently stable and unchangeable over time. In other words, you're either born with it or you're not. The, you know, are athletes made or are they born? Are leaders made, born? Whatever it may be, artists, you name it. And so if you have a fixed mindset, you're more likely to think, no, I think some people are just, it's just there and they just, you know, that's it. I'll never be like that. I can never be that. And so in this mindset, it, it it affects how you face challenges. People in a fixed mindset call it quits a lot easier. 
Fixed mindsets tend to avoid new ventures because you don't want to fail. So whether that's a hobby, a job, I don't want someone to think I'm not good right away, so I won't do it at all. Uh, Fixed mindset, you resist change. This mindset interprets feedback or even constructive criticism as a personal attack. Others are viewed as threats in this way of thinking, um, especially if there's a shared interest or, God forbid, someone's just better at you. Is something. Um, above all else, failure is viewed as fatal. If I fail, I'm done, I'm never doing it again, it's not worth it. So obviously this wasn't a J.K. Rowling. She did not have a fixed mindset. She had what Dweck called a growth mindset. A growth mindset believes that their most basic abilities and intelligence can be developed through dedication and hard work. You can get better, you can grow, you can succeed, and you can work hard to gain the knowledge and skills you need to do that. So failure isn't fatal. Most of us are familiar with that Thomas Edison quote when he's trying to invent the light bulb, and he says, okay, yeah, I failed 10,000 times, but it wasn't really failure. I just learned 10,000 ways not to do it. And so you can learn in this mindset you learn from failure. You're more optimistic in the face of challenges. I love this from Winston Churchill. He says, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity, an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And how often do you say something or you hear something and it's like, here's an opportunity. And the first thought is, well, here are all the obstacles. That's my natural leaning. So a growth mindset is inspired also by the success of others rather than threatened by it. And you view feedback as an opportunity to grow. So we could say more and more about the different mindsets, but by now, you should at least know what your dominant mindset is. And you don't have to be ashamed. We all have a little bit of both, but you do have a dominant mindset. And the more I read about mindset, neuroplasticity, and all of these words that weren't around in the first century when the New Testament was written, the more I am convinced in this beautiful way that God wired us and shaped us for growth. I mean, it is, it's all throughout the scriptures, but especially in the New Testament, and especially in the Apostle Paul's letters. And so we're gonna look at some of that, but here's what becomes clear as we go through. This is the expectation of every follower of Jesus. Maturation is the expectation of every disciple of Jesus. In other words, it is expected of you if you're going to follow Jesus in this life for you to mature, to grow, to move forward, to make progress. So this, not, this is not like an if I get around to it thing. This is not the elective you took in school that you didn't really have to, but you did anyways. This is not a thing. This is the thing, maturing in your faith and walk. And we know an unfortunate truth that aging is not always synonymous with maturing. Can we testify to that? Aging does not necessarily mean you mature because we all know people who've gotten older but they've not become any more kind or generous or humble or joyful. In fact, one New Testament author says this to a group of believers. He says, although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation. Again, you need milk, not solid food. Solid food is for the mature. You've aged, but you haven't matured. You're, you're still sipping from the bottle when by this time you should be sinking your teeth into a sirloin or a garden salad, if that's you. So maturation is the expectation. Now, again, Paul doesn't have this language in the first century. He doesn't have neuroplasticity, or, but the principles are there. And Paul talks often about the centrality of mindset as it relates to the way that we are wired to grow and mature in our walk with Jesus. So Romans 12, verse two, that's where we're gonna be, just one verse. And in this one verse, Paul offers us a pathway 
to maturation, a pathway to maturing in our faith, and it's through transforming our minds, and we're going to see this. So I'm going to give you three questions. That's all we're doing. Three questions that you can ask, that you can reflect on. Maybe it's today. Maybe you take time to do it this week in some morning coffee time, whatever it may be. But three questions to ask for reflection as you start this new year. So here's what Paul says, Romans 12, verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this age. And age here just means this present time before Jesus comes back, before Christ's return. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So Paul says, if you want to experience life-altering transformation, not, not just like a month or two of behavior modification and then you go right back to doing what you did before, but life-altering transformation and growth, it's going to involve a lot of work. It's gonna involve a radical reshaping and reorienting of your mind. And so I wanna begin at the end of this verse because if you're gonna know why the transformation matters, you need to know where it's headed. So here's the first question for reflection. Where do I wanna be at the end of 2023? And the only reason it rhymes is because it's a three, so don't think I got fancy. Where do I wanna be at the end of 2023? Where do you wanna go? What's the destination? Who do I wanna become? In leadership, we call this vision casting, but you vision cast for your own life, whether you know it or not. A, a vision is simply a, a clear mental picture of where you want to go. That's the vision. So what is your vision for this year in your relationships, your career, your hobbies, your health, your finances, with retirement? What's your vision? Where do you wanna set your sights? Because where Paul ends this verse has everything to do with destinations. He says, why renew your mind? So that you may discern. You, you, you've gotta make thousands of little discerning decisions all the time. Why? You wanna discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. All of these decisions, all of these discernments will culminate in a destination. Whether you intended to arrive there or not, whether you set out last year to get into more debt or to put on more weight or to have a worse marriage, it was your discerning and your decisions that led to that outcome. And so Paul says, your patterns of thinking will di dictate your patterns of doing. So what scripture communicates, science confirms. We shouldn't be surprised by that. Your body will follow your brain. And so we have all of these things that we're trying to discern. And discernment is about alignment. It's about alignment with what is good, what is pleasing in accordance with the will of God. So that alignment is what keeps us focused on the vision. Now, if you're like me, we tend to, when we think about, okay, I wanna, I wanna do better here, better there, I wanna have growth here and maturity here, we immediately start thinking of all of those external forces, all of the opposition out there that's gonna keep us from reaching those goals, that's gonna keep us from reaching that vision. And so we start thinking about things like this. If I'm gonna have my best year of marriage, then my wife is going to have to get her stuff together. I mean, I'm good. Or the ladies are like, do you know my husband? Like, there's no hope, right? He's gonna have to do X, Y, Z. If my best year of parenting means my kids had better get it together. At work, my boss, my manager's gonna have to do this. The economy, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my in-laws, my whatevers. And so it's natural to think about all the externals. But we also know, if we're being really honest, that the only variable, the only variable that really matters in terms of whether we grow or not is not a you out there, it's not a they out there, it's the me right here. It's me, it's you. 
Because, just be honest, isn't it true that you can sabotage you better than anyone you know? You are the greatest agent of espionage in your life that you've ever met. It's not what other people have done. It's not what other people may do. It's not what the economy do. It's you. It's me. And so for me, for instance, every pound I still have to lose in 2023, I talk myself into. Every one of them. I was like, that seems like that pound's worth it. (laughs) And I did it. Every dollar of debt that I've got to dig out of, I made a willful decision to spend money I did not have. Each poor reaction to my kids, I did that all by myself. It wasn't on them, that's on me. And so we've all been our own worst enemies, but part of the vision God cast through Paul's own life, and you gotta go back and read more of his life, is that failure isn't fatal, growth is always possible. That God at work in us is stronger than whatever has happened before. And then when these external factors press in, when our weaknesses are exposed, this is the voice that we hear sing over us. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. So yeah, you're weak. We're all weak. But God's grace is greater. And with Paul, we reply, therefore, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. Like you and I have set the perfect stage in our lives for God to do what only God can do. And he's inviting us to partner with him in that. Well, let's partner in this restoration, in this transformation. And the point is this, no matter what you've done, you're not done. No matter what you've done, you are not destined to repeat your regrets. You don't have to. You're also not destined to be held back by your regrets. You can grow, you can move forward. God is for you, God is at work in you. This is, this is again, this is a growth mindset looking through a spiritual lens. That to say, I haven't arrived, I've got more to learn, I have more to offer, there are new destinations to reach, And neither my past defeats nor present difficulties will keep me from taking the best next step towards the goal that I feel like God's laying on my heart, that he's putting on my mind. And so think about it like this. When 2023, December, I mean, short of God doing something crazy, like it'll come. When December 2023 rolls around and you're just telling a story about this year, looking back, what story do you wanna tell? What kind of story do you want to tell? What do you want to be true of you? What is the vision you're casting for your life, your health, your generosity, your marriage? How will you catalyze your singleness to serve the world around you better in 2023 than you did in 2022? Where is God leading you? What is compelling you? And with that question in mind, we we go back to the start of this verse to see what is required to reach those destinations. Paul says, do not be conformed to this age but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in view of discerning what is best and arriving at what is best, we have to leave conformity behind. And Paul says that happens as we renew our minds. So to be conformed is the norm according to Paul, that we've all been conformed by something, by someone to a standard, to a status quo in every area of life, whether we realize it or not, by, by nature and nurture by decisions we've made, by voices that have spoken over us and into us, we all have these influencers in our life that conform us. And so the second question for reflection is this. In light of where I wanna be, what new set of directions will get me there? 
In light of where I want to go, what new set of directions will get me there? What's the new mind map I'm going to require to arrive at the destination that I feel like God is leading me towards? Because if you're going to end up in a better place, in a more mature place, at the end of this year than you did at the end of last year, it's going to require that you do something different. And I don't think anyone would say, yep, I'm actually good where I am. I have no desire to mature one more bit. Thank you. Like, I can't, I can't help that. But I think we all want to make progress towards something. And so those maps, those directions are the influencers in our lives. These could be habits. These could be people around us. It could be narratives that we believe about ourselves. Narratives we believe about other people. So what or who is conforming you? What or who are those influencers in your life that's led you into your dominant mindset and either reinforces it or challenges it in one way or another? And to answer this honestly, this requires ruthless suspicion of ourselves, which is one of the hardest things to do. It's really hard to be suspicious of yourself. It just is. To question your assumptions, to doubt your doubts, to reject foregone conclusions, to be open to being wrong, to investigate these unspoken norms that we all have that guide our judgments, our decisions, and our conclusions, to be ruthlessly suspicious of ourselves. That's what's required because there are so many influencers in our lives. I mean, think back just from childhood on. I mean, think of education. No matter who educated you, whether it was at home, in a school, in a one-house schoolhouse, in a big, it doesn't matter. Everyone was influenced. Everyone was conformed to some way of thinking through education. Social media. I mean, people get paid to be, I mean, they use the word influencers in social media. You think about uh, the news media, influencers, all of the internet, basically. Cultural norms that become norms without us even realizing it. This shows up in political philosophy and economic systems, but I think you see it, like, it's just really vivid in fashion. It, it just is. And it's really fun, all right? Um, and so, for instance... How else do you explain the explosion of zip-up vests when it comes to men? How else can you explain that without this having become a cultural norm that you didn't even realize was happening? And every dude wearing a vest is like, dang it. But it works everywhere. Handsome dude walking in the woods, cowboy, this guy, like everybody. Everybody wears them. Young, old, doesn't matter. And I get it. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? My arms are fine, but my chest, my torso, it needs a warm hug. Like I get it. It works. And ladies, you've got your stuff too, but I'll get in trouble, so. All right, but literally, let's say every aspect of our thinking, every aspect of our thinking and our way of being has been conformed by something. The way that we view money, the way that we view debt, the way that we view sex, it, uh, intimacy, marriage, romance, all of it has been influenced by something and someone. Even, especially in the South, even how we think about following Jesus as a way of life is influenced by something and someone. But there's other influencers, these voices from our past that have spoken over us. And I think of these voices like a hijacked GPS that we're trying to get to a destination but we just can't make it past because of this voice that keeps speaking over us. And these voices say things like, I'm unlovable, I'm incapable, I'll never be successful, I deserve this misfortune, I'll screw up the relationship, I'm too old to change, I'll always be angry, and on and on and on it goes. All of those narratives that we believe. And if we're not careful, we speak those narratives into other people's lives. We say, you'll never change. You're always the problem. I'm not surprised you're in that situation. You'll never follow through. And we perpetuate it in other people's lives. 
And so it's because of how all-encompassing this is that Paul uses the strong language that he does. That if you don't wanna be conformed to this age, you've, you've got to be transformed. I mean, this is the word from which we get metamorphosis. This is the caterpillar to the butterfly. This is a radical reorientation and reshaping in terms of the substance of your mind. This is not just a few subtle shifts here and there. And what's remarkable, Paul says this process is already at work in us. He says this, he says, we all who are in Christ are being transformed, same word, into the same image from glory to glory, which is another word for perfection, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So that when you confess your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, that process of renewal has begun. You are made into a new creation and now you're being renewed day by day into that glory of God until it culminates in the end. And so we're partnering with God. It's why Paul says to the Philippians, work out your salvation because God's already at work in you. So what God's doing on the inside, it's gotta get out. So God initiates and invites us to be part of this renewal process. And to be clear, the word renewal speaks of the quality of the object. In this case, it's our minds. It's not just like a renovation. It's like, this is better than ever before. This is better than you can imagine. This is the same word used for the new heavens and the new earth that will be created in the end. It's gonna blow your minds. And he goes, you need new minds to live this transformed, transforming life. And so in answering this question of what or who is conforming you and me, the aim is to name those competing voices, to identify where are we being led down paths towards maybe sin. We're being led down these deceitful paths that are leading us where we don't wanna go, where we never intended to be. Maybe it's paths where we settle for a status quo rather than the spiritual quest that God has called us and equipped us to live into. And so then after that we ask, what, in light of who I wanna be, what set of directions are required? What voices, what resources, what guideposts am I gonna need, am I gonna require for this journey? And so I know for me to be the dad that I want to be, that I feel like I've been created to be, I need constant input from books and podcasts of people who are aligned with the kind of dad I wanna be. I know I need that. I'm a better dad when I'm doing that. I know that for me to be the, the husband and the leader and the man that I wanna be, I need to speak daily affirmations. I need to cast a vocal vision of what that is going to look like. I need to read and listen and converse with those who've been where I intend to go, whether that's physically or financially or professionally, relationally. I need people who've been there, done that, and I need to learn from them. So what influencers, what voices do you need in your life to get where you want to go? This is the pathway to renewing our minds and being transformed. So that's in terms of resources. But this third question, this is more, this is relational. Who will help keep me on track? Who will help keep me on track? It doesn't show up very much in our English text, uh, but in Romans 12 too, the last part of this verse is actually plural. So that when Paul says, so that you may discern, this is not just you, you, this is like y'all. This is all of us together. Because again, you can talk you into or out of anything. And so you need someone there with you. You need a tribe of people there with you to say, this is not leading you where you want to go. This does not align with the path that you've set out for yourself. We've talked about your goals. We've talked about vision. This is not in align with that. And so we need help. And I'm realizing more and more people 
have fewer and fewer of these kinds of relationships. Um, A 2021 Gallup survey revealed that nearly one in five Americans do not have what they would consider a close social connection. One in five Americans do not have a close social connection. And that's, the, the bar for that's really low. That, that was defined as anyone that you've turned to for help of any kind in the last six months. That you've been able to go to and just say, hey, I need help here. Hey, what would you do here? One in five people have no one, none. And so without realizing it, even shallow relationships or no relationships at all have become one of those norms that have been spoken over us. So do you have a tribe of people? Do you have one person, two people, three people who will be with you in the nitty gritty of life, in your mind, in your heart, on the daily, who will just help keep you moving in the same direction that you really wanna go? And who that you can be that for? Within GFC alone, we've got community groups, we have serve teams that often end up feeling like a family, we have regen, other opportunities to be in community together. Maybe in 2023, if you're able to be here more and more in person, that's a step for you rather than just being online. We're glad that we have those capabilities, but maybe it's being in the flesh more. So we all need these connections with people. Now, the other side of that is you may need distance from some people. You may need distance from people who have held back growth in your life. And I know some of you are like, I'm married to them. I don't know how that works. Pray, all right? Pray and have serious conversations, see accounts. I get it. Um, but thinking about friends, if you've got friends that you're around and you're like, I don't feel any better. I don't feel like I'm moving any closer towards goals when I'm with these people. In fact, every time I say something positive, they're like, whoa, 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 let me tell you everything that is wrong with that and why it'll never happen. You wanna be miserable like me? Join me, right? It may be coworkers. And it's not that you leave your job, but maybe you spend less time with certain coworkers if possible. You just don't get around them as much. And I, I know that a lot of the, the voices around us are now digital. And, and so just a quick word, like some, one of the best things you could do today if you've not done it is just go through your different social media accounts and just purge. Just, just do an unfollow, an unlike. And if you're on Facebook, you know, you can, you can be like really mean but in a nice way because you can just mute people. So like all the negative Nancys and the complaining Charlies out there, you just mute them and they still think you're cool but you're like, no. You're an enemy <laughs> of my vision, you know? Like, but you can just silence them. And it's worth doing. It really is so that we don't hear those influences out there. So in person or online, who's journeying with you towards your preferred destination? Um, one of the things I, I love when I read through Paul's letters is it's, they're riddled with the names of women and men who have journeyed alongside him. I mean, we think about the Apostle Paul all the time. But rarely are we thinking about all of those names of people that he lists in and throughout certain chapters, at the end of chapters. I mean, Romans 16 alone, it's just like name, 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 name. I mean, it's constant because he has a tribe of people who are around him, helping him reach that vision where he says, look, I'm forgetting what lies behind. I press on toward the goal of what lies ahead, the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. And he's like, I need people to help me with that and to stay focused on what matters, vision-centered friends. And so if you get to December 2023 and you're writing a letter about all that's happened, who are the names that you would list? Who are the names of those companions you'd put in the margins? Man, these are the people. This is the dude. This is the gal. These these are the, the people that I met with that really helped me move forward in what I felt like God was calling me into. And so in all of this, 
in all of this, the beautiful part is that no matter our age, no matter our stage of life, there's always room for growth because maturity is the target. Maturity is the destination. If we're willing to ask the questions, where do I wanna be? What new set of directions do I need? Who will help me stay on track? Those are the questions we ask if we want to reach the end and go, man, yes, this was a year of growth. This was actually my best year in life because I can measure my maturity. I can see where I was and where I've come. Now, if you're content with where you are, if you're fine, if you're like, you know what, I'm good, the status quo is fine for me, I've, I've met some goals, I'm pretty good, I'm just gonna write it out. I'm probably not gonna change your mind, but I'll try. There's a, there's a saying in organizational leadership that you are perfectly designed to get the results that you are achieving. Like the systems you have in place are perfectly designed to get what you're getting. So if you wanna keep that, just keep doing what you're doing. But my hunch is that's not anyone. My hunch is that you're willing to take on the challenge, that you're willing to open your, your heart, your mind, to say, what is it that God wants for me? Like I haven't really wrestled with that yet. I'm, I need to do that. And that if you'll stick with it, if you'll be persistent, if you'll put people around you to go with you, maybe, just maybe, like a J.K. Rowling, like a Michael Jordan, like a Maya Angelou, you too will be an overnight success. But we all know the secret. We all know there's no overnight. It's day in, day out, a partnership with the Lord and what he's already doing within and being open to what that would look like to get out in the wild. And that's what we're after. That's, that, that's what I hope for you in 2023. That's what I'm chasing. So I'm gonna pray for us to that end. Heavenly Father, we are grateful. Thank you that you have wired us in such a way and that you've equipped us with the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to grow, to mature, to be able to take on opposition and see opportunity. God, I pray for each person here. I pray, number one, that each person this year would know you, Jesus, be in a personal relationship with you, and that if that hasn't happened, that that would be the starting point. But God, I pray for growth. I pray for new and renewed vision in people's lives. We pray for that for our church. We pray that you would do something new this year that is unexpected. God, that we would be open to wherever your hand and your plan would move us as individuals, as couples, as parents, as students, as athletes, as artists, as retirees. God, give us a big vision. And then God, may we partner in that transformation with the renewing of our minds. Because God, we believe that you have works that you've created for us to do before the foundations of the world. We wanna be there. We wanna be healthy for that. We wanna be ready for that and aware. So Spirit, give us that awareness. We pray in Christ's name, amen.